Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. We are in the middle of a series, actually at the end of a series, and um, the end of this series is, is, uh, the series is all about you ask for it. I asked a question a few months ago. What is it that I could teach or that I could share that would help move you forward in your spiritual journey? Because that's all I do. I plan those. I plan sermon series. I, I, I think and I pray about, Lord, what, what do they need to hear the most? And, uh, and I felt in my heart, hey, maybe just ask them and they can tell you. And so I opened it up and you told me. You said, here, this is what I need to know. And so we landed on the, the top six subjects were, of course, how do I pray? How, how do I forgive somebody? How do I parent? What do I do with the Holy Spirit? How do I have faith? And so we've spent the last five weeks answering those questions on how do you do those things. If you missed any of them, all the sermons are available on the Simple Church app. You say, Aaron, woman, I have time to listen to that. Look, all you need to know is the Buckeyes won last year, yesterday. You can cut out a little bit of your sports radio listening to, you know, and maybe listen to something that will lift you up and encourage you. Uh, but uh, but just, just you, when you're on the treadmill or driving to and from work is a great opportunity to listen. So those podcasts will be a blessing to you. And uh, today we're going to wrap up this series with the final subject of how do I overcome negative emotions. If you are a Michigan fan, you certainly need this message today. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we're going to dive right into it. Now, typically, I, and I'm going to say this, I'm going to start off this message with this is a very, a very heavy subject for people, especially if you deal with depression on a regular basis or you deal with negative emotions on a regular basis. Maybe things in your life have not gone according to plan. And so you're, you're currently dealing with these things. And so I'm not going to make light of them, but I'm a very jovial kind of person. And dealing with darker subjects kind of brings me down. So I'm going to I'm going to discuss this heavy topic, but I'm going to inject a little humor here and there. And I mean no disrespect to those of you that are dealing with depression or or overwhelmed. Because being honest with you, we all get overwhelmed and we all deal with depression at at various times in our lives. I remember there was a a time when I was working at a job and, and, uh, and I came in. I was working for Nationwide is what I was doing. I came in as a temp and... Uh, they, they brought me in to do a very, oh, I don't know, routine, a mundane kind of job. But, I mean, it was $15 an hour, and I was like, hey, I'll take it. And essentially what it was is they put me at this very long table, and they dropped these stacks of paperwork on me because they, they printed them every morning, and they needed them sorted into certain numbers and then stapled or bound together. That was my job. It was this. Staple, lay. That's all I did all day long. But for $15 an hour, that's, about a, that's not a bad gig. Anybody want in on some of that? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So there's, there's much harder jobs you can do for $15 an hour. And so I, I got into this job, and, and it was a day-long process. That's what, you, that's what I spent my eight hours doing. But I got in, and I discovered that the, the process that they taught me was kind of, eh, it wasn't so good. And so I streamlined the process. And what wound up happening was I had about half of my day to sit there and just twiddle my thumbs. I, I didn't have anything to do, and I asked my boss, like, what should I do? And she's like, just keep quiet. Sit there and look busy. So I, you know, I shuffled the papers around as much as I could to look busy, but my workspace was out in front of everybody. You could walk through the area and just see me. I'm like, can I read a book? And they're like, no, no, that's not good. We just need you to go ahead and stay. If we need you for anything, we need you to be here. So, so they, they paid me $15 an hour to pretty much look busy. 
So I, I'm not sure. And, uh, and I eventually got to a place and said, so is there something you can teach me? Is there another responsibility I can learn so that I can, I can maybe grow and find something to do during this time? I don't like to sit idle. And they're like, sure, you know what? This girl's over here and this department's going to go on vacation here in a few weeks. If you learn her job, well, then you can help out when she's gone. That helps us out. Thank you so much, Erin. So in my downtime, I started learning her job. Well, what ha- happened was <laughs> is I got into this, this, this position while she was gone on vacation, and I found out that her process was also flawed. See, the, the workflow was really bad. She was getting a request for work, which I'm not going to bother you with the details of that, but she was getting a request, and she would turn around that request in two weeks' time. Well, I figured out there was an issue in what she was doing and found out it only took like two days to actually return a request. So I kind of sped up that process while she was gone. And then it became very clear to me after her two weeks vacation was up that she was not coming back, and I wasn't really sure why. I think I did her out of a job, and I didn't mean to do that. I was just trying to be helpful, right, to be an asset to my company. And so I learned this process, so I was able to do my paperwork, and then I sped up the process. And then they brought in another gal who took over my paperwork, and allowed she, they started allowing me to work on some other things and to straighten some things up and clean some things up for them. And then they brought her over and said, well, she's working your process. She's only spending half a day. Why don't you teach her how to do your job? And I was like, great, this is how you do it. It's really simple. And so I teach her how to do the new job that I had taken on. And next thing I know, they said, okay, so... Um, You've made this two-person job a one-person job, and, uh, well, we don't really need you anymore, so we're going to go ahead and let you go. Can you imagine the confusion that set in in my heart and my life? Like, wait, what? I, I was, like, employee of the month, like, a few weeks ago, and now you're, y'all are letting me go because you're paying her less to do the job that I fixed? That's exactly what happened. How many of y'all have been there before? Life hands you just... just a pile of, you're like, what? Like, what, what just happened? Like, what, 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 I, I, I've been faithful. I've, I've done good. I've been working hard. I've been doing all these good things. And when life hands you lemons, it's hard to make lemonade sometimes. It's like, oh, my gosh, what? I didn't deserve this. I've been doing all the right things. And can you imagine how I felt in those moments? Like, well, that doesn't encourage me to do a good job at my next place because, I mean, like, I've worked myself right out of a job. That's not an encouragement to me. And when I lost that job, I, I kind of wandered around like, am I going to find anything else that was easy as that? Am I going to find something? Should I put my whole heart into this? I was depressed. I was obviously shaken because I was doing good things and was rewarded with, you fired. Well, thank you. But we've all been there at times, I think. I think we've, we've been handed stuff in life and we're like, I don't deserve this. And we're overwhelmed by negative emotions. We're overwhelmed by depression and we need to learn how to deal with it. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about what do you do when, when you are feeling depressed, when you're feeling overwhelmed, when things aren't going according to plan. What do you, what do, you do? Now, let me say this before we jump into what I have to share with you today. If you are, are somebody that is dealing with clinical depression, like if you are working with a doctor and he's got you on a medical plan or a, a consult or a, um, you're getting counseling, look, please stay the course with those things. The things I'm going to share with you today will change your life. But I'm not a doctor, so please understand. If, I'm just being very sensitive to the subject. If you are on a medical treatment, stay with that. But do what I'm telling you as well. And when God changes your heart and your life, if you feel like you need to make some changes to that plan, you need to work with your doctor to do that. Amen? 
Okay, just let's use wisdom in this as well. All right. Now, David was a guy in the Bible, King David. He's a guy that I love to read and I hate to read. I love to read him because he's very positive and encouraging, but I also hate to read him because sometimes he is just a whining, complaining little boy. Like, I'm like, oh, my gosh, and I, I hate that because when I read people complaining, I want to, like, I, I change the channel. Like, Lord, why are you having me read this? This is just bringing me down. But when you read through David, he always gets just this whining and complaining, and then he kind of brings it back in the end. And, and so what we have here is, is a perfect example of that. He's feeling overwhelmed And he writes in Psalm 42, verse 3 through 5, he says, Day and night I have only tears for food. Now, we know David was the king. We know he had plenty of food, but he's being dramatic, of course. And he's like, all I've got to eat, all I've got to sustain me is my tears. While my enemies continually taunt me, saying, where is this God of yours? My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. Oh, isn't that where we all are sometimes? We remember how it used to be. We remember how that relationship used to be. We remember what we used to have. We remember what we used to be able to do. We remember the past, and we remember how it used to be, and we just get depressed. Remember how I used to fit in those jeans. (laughs) I remember how I used to play ball. I remember how I used to whatever. And we get depressed, we get overwhelmed when we remember how it used to be. And David is remembering, he says, I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of a great celebration. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. What happens? In the middle of David's complaining, something changes because it seems a little schizophrenic, does it? Once a minute, one moment, he's complaining and he's remembering how bad it was. And the next he's like, hey, I'm going to praise God. Like, isn't that what happened, David? There was a switch in there. And David was always really good about this. When he felt overwhelmed, he turned to God. He was winning that battle. And I think it's very obvious that all of us are dealing with that battle on a regular basis. We are struggling with negative emotions. We feel overwhelmed just like David did. But here's what you need to know today. That you will never be able to change your life until you change the way you think. That's what happened for David. In the middle of all those negative thoughts, he shifted what he was focusing on. And we have to do the same thing. We have to shift the way that we think. Proverbs 23, 7 says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. What does that mean? Well, it's this thing called head, heart, and hands. Anybody ever heard of this before? It's a very simple formula about how we change and how we become as people. We get a thought or we get an idea in our head, and we begin to let that roll around in our head, and then that thought drops down into our heart where we get our emotions involved. It's something we, we begin to give birth to, Right? We get, to, we get to surround our dreams and our life around that thought. And then the next thing you know, once, once it's gone from our head and down to our heart and we begin to believe it, it changes what we do with our hands. So that's head, heart, and hands. A thought, whatever we think, is what we become. You've heard that phrase before, you are what you eat. And how many of y'all are thankful that is actually not true because I would be like an extra large pepperoni pizza sitting in front of you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, but you, you actually are what you think. I remember when Kasaya was younger, Kasaya had this idea in her head that she was beautiful. Why? Because everybody told her that, and she is. She is a beautiful little girl. She's now almost a teenager. Dear Lord, where has the time gone? 
But she, when, she was, when she was one or two years old, people would come up to her and say, gosh, you are so beautiful. And you know what her response was? Yes. She would look confidently at them and say, yes. Because she believed it. She, she, somebody had told her that, and many people had told her that, and that seed was planted in her mind to the point where she began to believe it, and she would respond with confidence, yes. So one of the first things I had to do was teach her, look, this is called humility. We say thank you. <laughs> you are beautiful, but we say thank you when somebody says you're beautiful. But we are what we think. What dominates our thoughts is who we become, Romans 8, 5 through 6 says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. Now, you think about sinful things and you think like, all right, so the evil things, somebody's playing like dirty deeds done dirt cheap like in their mind, like, you know, cyanide, dynamite, TNT. I'm not even talking about those horrible things. I'm talking about the things that, sin, what are sinful things? things are, are, sinful things are, are missing God's best for us, right? That's what sin is. And so you're thinking about those things. You're thinking about doing things the way, the way that are not in line with God's ways. So it says, when you, when you, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, doing things that are not in line with God's ways. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. If your sinful nature controls your mind, there is death. Death of what? Say, Aaron, everybody's going to die someday. That's right. That's, you're not going to miss death if you think happy thoughts. That's not what I'm saying at all. See, death comes in our relationships. Death comes in our finances. Death comes in lots of different ways in our life. When we are doing things contrary to God's way of doing things, we see death in all sorts of ways. When you're overwhelmed with negative emotions, when you're overwhelmed by depression, you'll see death in your relationships, death in your parenting, death in your finances, death in your career path, death in your future. Things begin to die around you when you choose to live contrary to the way God's best is for you. There's death. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life and peace. And boy, don't we all want peace. On a regular basis, we are marketed and advertised to about peace. Want financial security? You want peace of mind? Call Fidelity today and make your appointment, right? Like we are, they're selling peace to us. But really, there's no such thing as financial security. The only peace that is available to us is the peace that God offers to us. And there's his life, his best for us when we choose to do things his way. So what's clouding our minds? What's causing us to be overwhelmed? Well, I decided I'd do a little demonstration today. And here's what I need you guys to do. I need everybody to get out a dollar bill, a five, a 10, or a 20. You're like, oh, no, here goes a preacher asking for money. I'm, I'm not asking for your money. Everybody get one out for me, please. If you could just reach into your, into your pocket, find a dollar, find, a, find something, and get it out. I need as many people to participate as possible, okay? This is a group therapy session. You're broke. <laughs> okay, maybe you're feeling some depression, and this message is for you if you're broke today. But everybody get one out. And, and actually, uh, if, if somebody close has one, can, can I actually have it? Can I borrow it real quick? Zach, thank you so much, bud. Thank you. <clears throat> All right. Now, here's what I want you to do. Everybody that's got a bill out there, I want you to take your bill, and I want you to begin rub it around. For those of you listening by podcast, this is the sound of a dollar bill rubbing. Now, the reason I'm having you do this is because... Uh, there's a cool experiment. Have you ever taken like a balloon and rubbed it on your head or taken like a wool jacket or wool fabrics and rubbed it together? What happens when you do that? 
You're building a little bit of static electricity, right? And well, what, something you don't know is that inside of your paper, there's actually uh, wool fibers that are woven into it. That's why you can wash the money and it doesn't get destroyed, right? So when you're rubbing it together like this, what are you doing? You're building a static electrical charge, right? So here's what you do. Everybody rubbing? Let me see. I can't. All right. Good, 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 good. Now I want you to kind of crumple it up, lock the, the static electricity inside, hold it in the palm of your hand like this, take your other finger and just touch it. And you'll watch how it sticks to your finger. You'll be able to lower your, your hand here. It's like one of those party tricks that'll, hold on a second. Let me try this. Apologize. No, I, didn't, I didn't get enough static. Well, you're laughing at me. All right. Okay. Now take your finger and just touch it to it, and it should have enough static electrical charge, yeah, to stick to your finger just like that. That's kind of cool, right? Is that working for anybody? Yeah. Got a few people working, okay? What's really cool is if you get enough static electrical charge on your fingers, you can rub your fingers just like this, and when you do this, just watch. Anybody having success with that? Just rub like this. <laughs> Nobody? No. Just like this. Okay. <laughs> I, see, I still hear some people out there rubbing their bills. This is, a total, this, this is a total sham. I apologize. But this is the bill you gave me, right, Zach? Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate the donation. Now, I, <laughs> I, I do that. Because I, I think the first thing that's clouding our mind, the first thing you need to understand about why you're dealing with negative emotions is there is somebody who hates you. There is an enemy that is out there. And the very first thing that we need to know about why our mind is so clouded is because there, the devil deceives you. Now, if the de devil showed up in your life and he showed up in a way with like a red suit and horns and a pitchfork, you would know that's a dude we don't listen to, right? Because that's the devil. But the devil doesn't show, that, show up that way in our lives. He doesn't present himself that way. He always shows up as an angel of light. He shows up as somebody that you trust. He shows up as somebody that you would have faith in, somebody that would never lie to you, maybe somebody like me. So that's why I do this today. That's why I have you play along because I totally just deceived you. I totally lied to you, and you're welcome. But that's what the devil does to us. He lies to us. He whispers things in our ears. And if we begin to believe those lies, we begin to live our lives in a place that is wrong, that is not true. The Bible talks about the devil, and he says in John 8, 44, he has always hated the truth. Now, that word hated is not like, man, he's just not down for it. He's got this feeling about the truth. He doesn't like it. They're not BFFs on Facebook. It's not like that. It's not a feeling where he doesn't like the truth. He hates it. That's an active word that means he is actively fighting against the truth. He is actively against it. And the Bible says because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. In other words, we shouldn't be surprised that he's a liar. That's who he is. It's what he does. For he is a liar and the father of lies. That means that every lie that you believe in your life, every lie that you have encountered is from him. David wrestled with this. He wrestled with this in his heart and his mind just like we do. Because when somebody lies to us and we begin to believe it, it affects us. It affects our hearts. It affects our lives. David said, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Now, what's crazy about David is we don't have any biblical record of David ever actually losing to an enemy. 
We, don't, we, we can't find that in the Bible where his enemies were triumphing over him. But it didn't matter. He still wrote this because he believed that his enemies were triumphing over them. He felt, it's that magical world of feelings that he, that's where David was. He felt like they were triumphing over him. And so he was depressed. He was distraught and he believed they were, even though they weren't. Of course he had enemies. Of course there were wars. Of course there were battles, but nobody was beating him. And so your enemy, the devil, will lie to you. He'll do that by whispering in your heart. He'll use people to put lies on you. Somebody maybe said something to you in your past, told you you'll never be or you'll never have or you've done too much or you've gone too far. Maybe they told you you'll never fit in. They put lies on you. He uses people to do that. He'll use your circumstances to lie to you. I'll never get past this. I'll never get married again. I'll never, I'll never be in another relationship. I'll never be able to trust again. I'll never have financial freedom. Do you know how broke I am? He'll use your circumstances to lie to you. And if that weren't enough, the next thing that he'll do is he'll use your problems to confuse you. Just like when we were doing the little dollar bill thing, how many of you, as soon as it didn't work, you were instantly confused? Why is it working for him and not for me? I did the same thing he did. I rubbed that dollar just like that. I put my finger on it just like that, and it didn't stick. It didn't stay. How come I can't make my dollar float? You're confused, weren't you? I get that all the time when I do magic. I was doing magic at a wedding this weekend, and I was performing and, and doing card tricks and things. This guy just says, I'm just confused. Isn't that what happens to us? We look at what somebody else has or what somebody else can do, and our problems confuse us. We're like, how come they've got it? They're not even following Jesus, and I'm in the middle of this mess, and I'm the one fighting for my financial freedom. I'm the one fighting for my relationships. How come they've got it? Or if, if you're not confused about why somebody else has it and you don't, you're confused as why God would let it happen. Why would you let this happen to me? How could you? Don't you love me? I'm just confused. The enemy will use our problems to confuse us. 1 Corinthians 14.33 tells us that God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. So if you're in a state of confusion right now, that's not from God. That's the enemy trying to keep you down. The last thing, the reason that we are so overwhelmed by our emotions is because the world pollutes us. The world pollutes us. What's the world? It's your environment. Some of you come from a very toxic home. You're living there now, or maybe you came from that place, and it's been an, an affecting and influencing the way that you think. Maybe you're at a job, and, and you're just surrounded by people who are negative influences on your walk with Christ. Or maybe you're in a relationship that is a negative influence. It is the world in which you live that pollutes you. It's your environments that you're found in. Look, let me tell you something. Before I came here and did this trick for you today, I was here earlier this week making sure the lights were set just so. I had people sitting out here. Hey, can you see the illusion? Can you see how it's done? I had, had them come up really close. How close can you get before you can see? And none of them could see until they stood where I stood. It was about perspective. It was the environment that I created to deceive you. We're all in environments. We're easily deceived. We're easily influenced. We are easily led astray. It's not your fault. This is just the world in which we live. I'm not blaming you. I'm not telling you don't have a job or get away from your family. I'm not, I'm not saying any of those things. But these are the reasons why we are so overwhelmed with our negative emotions. Ephesians 4:17 through 18 says, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord 
that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and are separated from the life of God. Look, if you want to overcome negative emotions, if you want to overcome the depression that you're dealing with, you need to decide to do things differently. You cannot live the same way everybody else lives. You don't get to do it that way and expect a different result. You must do things God's way. So how do we overcome negative emotions? How do we do this? How do we, how do we live differently? How do we be transformed? How do we change who we are? Well, I'm going to tell you that if you're trying to do that, aside from the power of God in your life, you're not going to succeed. We need to learn to do things God's way. Romans 12.2 says, do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we guard what we learn? How do we guard proper thinking? How do we even obtain it in the first place? I'm going to give you three simple things that you can do. Don't overlook these things. If you're taking notes, write these down. And then don't just take the notes, write them down, and tuck them into your Bible or into your purse or leave them in the car. You need to learn to live these things because they're simple things that you can do. When you hear them, you're going to go, yeah, sure. But, but let me challenge you to put them into action. First thing you can do, make the Bible part of your daily life. Say, Aaron, well, that seems so simple. Duh. Yeah, but how many of us avoid it? How many of us skip doing it? How many of us on a regular basis avoid God's word? We, uh, well, and I know the pushback. I get it. It's very honest. It's very real. You go, well, I don't understand the Bible. I don't get it. I don't, I don't, it doesn't make sense to me. Can I ask you a question that's just going to remove that excuse from your life? What new thing did you dive into ever that you immediately understood before you started? You just need to get going. You just need to begin to read. Start in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are easy things because you're going to read about Jesus. You're going to read stories. And as you read the stories in the life of Christ, it will challenge you. It will transform you. It will change who you are as a person, as you just read. You may not understand everything that he said. You may not understand all the cultural references, but you can begin somewhere. And if you're really struggling before you read your Bible, pray. Open God's word and say, Holy Spirit, teach me. Because that's, that's what he's here for. He's here to teach you. If you'll humble yourself and pray and ask. The Bible says if you ask for wisdom, God won't withhold it from you. You just got to ask. So we got to get into our word. We need to know what the truth is. Because if we don't know what the truth is, how are we ever going to know the difference between what's real and what's not? The lie and the truth. If you don't know the truth, you'll be fed a lie and you'll take it as the truth. But if you know God's truth, the Bible says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you want to be free today from your negative emotions and the depression that you're dealing with, the rut that you're stuck in, you need to make the Bible a part of your daily life. John 17, 13 through 17 says, Now I'm coming to you. This is Jesus. He says, I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word. And the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of this world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. It's God's word that changes who we are. 
In 2 Timothy 3.16, it says all scripture is inspired by God. That means every verse that you read is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. That's what God's word is for. It's to show us the truth, to show us how we are supposed to be living. Otherwise, we'll never be able to change the way that we think. Others of you feel challenged by it, and you're like, oh, well, you know, if I understood, if I had somebody to walk with me to read the Bible, then I would understand how to read it. Great. You know what? If you're a man, Saturday morning, 7 a.m., I have a men's group, and that's what we do. We read the Bible, and we learn, and we learn how to respond to it. Join us, 7 a.m. See me afterwards. I'll tell you how to get involved. We'll show you how to walk through the Bible and how to learn how to apply it to your life. I'm going to remove those excuses from you. Others of you... There's, there's plenty of people that will do a Bible study with you and show you how to read God's word and make it a part of your daily life. So that's the first thing you need to do. The second thing you need to do is to, to find the right relationships. Find the right relationships. You need to be in a relationship with people before you get into that, that tight spot. You know what I mean? Before you get into lots of trouble, because see, that's what happens. A lot of times people avoid relationships, and as soon as they're in the middle of a mess, they start looking for people to help them. That's not the time to start looking for people to help you. Now, let me tell you something. If you're in a hot mess and you, you come to anybody at Simple Church, I guarantee you they will rally around you and help you regardless of not having a relationship with you. But let me tell you that if you have those relationships and those people will be there to help you, you won't feel that heaviness to call out for help when you need it. Proverbs 13.20 says, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. You need to have the right relationships in your life. You need to be surrounded by people who are walking with Christ. You say, Aaron, how do I do that? Let me tell you a simple way. Get involved in a grow group. Here at Simple Church, we offer them. They're going on right now. My Bible study on Saturday mornings is part of that. You can get involved in a grow group. You can get into relationship with people. When you're sitting around and you and at my Bible study, we say, hey, what, what are you struggling with this week? What's bugging you? What's got you all worried or stressed out? And our guys say, you know, it's this or it's that. You know, they may, somebody in your life may have a resource or an opportunity to help you that you don't even know about. If you don't get in a relationship with them, you'll never have that help. You'll never have that resource. Somebody could make that burden that you're carrying so much lighter. You need to be in the right relationships. When I was younger, I was, I was married. I, I'm married now, but I was married before as well. When my marriage went south and... I got divorced. I slipped into a very deep depression. I was so far from God, I didn't even believe that he was answering my prayers anymore. I didn't believe that he could hear me. Felt like I had gone too far, that I shook my fist in the air and said, I wanted nothing to do with you, which is exactly what I did to him. And I felt in turn after everything went horribly wrong in my life. After filing bankruptcy, after having my car repossessed, all the phone calls from all the bill collectors. And now I'm a single dad with two little boys. Felt like I would never be loved again. Felt like I could never be in a relationship again. I was broken. But I had a friend. His name was Scott Harvey. And Scott walked with me. Scott sat with me and prayed for me. Scott helped me reconnect with God. He helped me see that there is hope. But if I didn't have that friend in my life... Who knows how long I would have stayed in that state of depression? Who knows how long I would have been broken? We need people. We need the right relationships in our lives. 
Now that's not to say that my family wasn't there to support me through all of it. They were. They were an incredible support. But Scott, Scott is the one that spoke that word that made me feel like the heavens opened up and God would hear me again. You need to have the right relationships. Get involved in a grow group. Include the Bible in your daily walk. Get connected with people that are walking with Jesus. And, and finally, the last thing, the simple thing, is stay connected to God through prayer. Jesus, who's stressed in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's getting ready to go to the cross and he knows God's plan for him. One of his disciples has just betrayed him. And he knows they're coming for him. He knows what he's getting ready to endure in his body. And Jesus is stressed out. He's overwhelmed and he goes to the garden to pray. He had friends. And he was telling them, hey, I'm getting ready to die. And they're like, whatever, Jesus. <laughs> we got this. They didn't understand. But he turned to God in prayer. And he prayed. He said, if you can take this cup from me, then let it pass. Find another way to do this. Find another way to complete salvation for all the men and women of the world. Figure out something else. And he prayed this prayer three times. The Bible says he was so overwhelmed like you and I get from time to time. He was so overwhelmed that he was sweating drops of blood when he prayed these prayers. But there was something that shifted in him when he prayed. See, prayer isn't always about changing your circumstances. Oftentimes, prayer is simply about changing you and your heart. And though Jesus was overwhelmed, he took that moment to pray, and he was recentered, he was refocused. Because he said, but nevertheless, let your will be done and not mine. He turned his life over and surrendered to what God had for him. And that's what you and I need to do. We need to surrender our lives. You're in a situation that has got you down, or maybe your past has got you down, or there's a lie that you've been believing about yourself, and you feel trapped in depression. You need to go to God in prayer. And your circumstances may never change, but the hope inside of you, your heart, can change. You can have peace. You can have God's peace because he'll be with you through it all. You say, Aaron, I don't really know how to pray. You know what? You can join us on Sunday night. This coming Sunday night, we have prayer right here in this place. It's just for an hour. You don't have to pray out loud or say anything on a microphone. You can just come and pray with us. We'll walk you through a simple prayer. You can do this. You can speak to God. You can learn to have that conversation with him. It's not hard. It's not beyond you. If you can speak at all, you can talk to God. We can have peace. We can win the battles for our minds. But we've got to include these simple things. You need to be in God's word daily. You need to be in the right relationships. And you need to remain connected to him. You've got to know his truth so that you can know the difference between the lie. And only then will we have peace and victory over our negative emotions. We need to realize that what is being put before us is a decision. It's to choose. When life hands you a bunch of junk, you have a choice on how you respond to that junk. But you need to know God's word in order to make that right decision. We either choose to do things the way we've been doing them, or we can choose to do God, things God's way. And when we do that, when we choose to do things His way, we allow Him to transform our thinking. And we already know that how we think is who we become. 
I want you to do me a favor. I want you to close your eyes. I'm going to read this last verse to you. This is David again. And I want you to notice what happens as he, as he prays. I want you to hear yourself in this. He said, I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands and I would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated and my spirit asked, will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Many of us have been there before. We felt like God's forsaken us. We felt like his love has vanished. We felt like our circumstances are unfair. We felt like we've called out time and time again and he's not heard our cry. We're overwhelmed by our circumstances. But look what happens. Look what his next words are. Then I thought. He shifted his thinking. In a moment of depression, he made a choice, a conscious choice, one that you and I get to make every time we are feeling overwhelmed. He says, then I thought to this I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out his right hand. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on your mighty deeds. And then he goes on for the next 15 verses or so and recalls how God has been faithful to him in his life and how God has been faithful before he'll be faithful again. That his love and his mercy he knows are new every morning. He makes a switch. Today you have that choice to make that switch to change how you're thinking and think on who God is let's pray with every head bowed and every eye closed you know maybe there's a war that's raging in your mind your past has beaten you up you feel robbed of hope that tomorrow can be different you want to move forward but you're trapped by your emotions but today you know as I've, as I've shared God's truth your heart maybe has felt some clarity maybe hope is rising up within you you realize what I'm talking about is something that you don't have, and that's a relationship with God. But right now, you're ready to be a part of it. You're ready to surrender your life to God, to do things His way, to have His peace instead of the war that rages in your heart and mind. If that's you today, I'm going to pray a prayer, and if you want to be included on that prayer, all you have to do is shoot your hand in the air and let me know. I'm not going to make you stand up or come to the front. You say, Aaron, that's me. I want you to include me on that prayer. If that's you and you're here today, could you just put your hand up in the air? Put it up high so I can see you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm going to pray this prayer, and you need to say it. You can say it in your heart or out loud, however you want to do it, but the thing is you need to mean it. Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you came and you died and rose again so that I could be forgiven. Forgive me of my mistakes. Transform me. Make me brand new. Teach me how to think properly. Show me your truth. Give me your Holy Spirit. And show me how to live for you. 
I'll spend every do, day doing just that. Thank you, Jesus. I give you my life. Now, Lord, I pray for every person in this room that is struggling today, Lord. Every person that is struggling with depression, Lord, I pray that your truth would ignite a spark in their lives, Lord, that the darkness that they are dwelling in would be vanquished by your word. I pray, God, that they would have hope again, and that hope would rest in you. I pray, God, for the people that are struggling, that are following you, Lord, that, that they realize in the middle of those dark moments that they have an opportunity to flip the switch, to change the way that they think, to focus on you, that depression could be lifted, Lord, and your peace would settle on their hearts. And Lord, I pray right now for those that are, are going to take those steps, God, to begin reading their Bible, Lord, that you would give them wisdom and understanding of your word, that you would open it clear for them, God, so that they can see how they are to live. For those that are going to jump into the grow groups, Lord, or even to serve and be a part of what we're doing here, Lord, that you would bring the right people to surround them, God that they would be encouraged in their walk with Christ and would be able to grow. And Lord, I pray that as they spend time with you in private moments of prayer, Lord, that you would speak to their hearts and let your peace settle upon them. God, this is a work that is incredible and we can't do it without you. We need you in our lives. Help us do this, Lord. Help us overcome our negative emotions and connect with you. Help us live your best for our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.